Would you do me a favor and, and invite and welcome Miss Jennifer to the stage this morning. Yes. Before we dive into this, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself um, for people that may not know you. Why don't you just explain what you do for a living? Maybe tell us, is that you good? Sure, people have to make certain adjustments. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It keeps sliding. Here. I want to face you. I don't want you to. There you go. I got it. First thing you know, I'm not graceful. <laughs> um, I uh, live in Eunice. Uh, my husband, my family, and I, we go to Our Saviors in Eunice. And we've been part of the uh, leadership there since it began. Yeah. And well, so, ten years ago, uh, huh? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, 10, 11, something like that. So, uh, so we're part of family, and so it's so good to be here with you all this morning. As far as um, me, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I do own Harmony House Counseling, and it's a, a private Christian counseling. Um, and we do individual marriage um, group therapy. And so, but we come from uh, a Christ-centered perspective. And so uh, everything that we do, we believe that um, when there is an emotional difficulty that someone's dealing with, whether it's depression, anxiety, trauma sure. that they face, loss, uh, there's also a spiritual component to it. Mm. And so we'll talk a little bit about that today. Uh, and so as there is a spiritual component to it, we begin to um, help the person uh, reconcile some of those difficulties um, that have separated them from Christ. Mm. And that's part of the healing journey. Yeah, okay. so good. I can tell you this just to honor her for a second. I mean... Um, my life has been, my, my wife and my life has been transformed just by sitting down and her office and her just being a safe place for us. I want to encourage you because I, I came from a perspective a few years ago going, I need counseling. Like that's for weak people, right? I don't, I don't need counseling. I don't need to dive through that kind of stuff. Um, and it's been so transformational to be able to sit in there, feel like you have a safe place and just go, here's all my stuff. But then it's not just someone who's listening going, yeah, yeah. It's somebody who actually leans in and says, okay, let's, let's start picking through that. And so I want to encourage you, like, if you're in this place, this is the whole reason we're having this discussion this morning, um, to hopefully, so you can see that, um, one, we're all broken, right? <laughs> we all deal with issues, um, and it'll transform your life if you start talking about them. Would mm -hmm. you agree with that? Yes. Um, so here's what we've been doing. Um, we've kind of had this main theme for the past six weeks, and the main theme has simply been um, you don't need to escape your pain. We don't need to suppress it. We don't need to push it down. We need to figure out why that pain is bothering us in the first place so we can figure out what's really going on. And uh, that's been the whole idea behind this series, because I don't know if you've recognized this or realized this yet, but we do live in a culture that is very, very good at pushing things down. Um, at suppressing them. Um, I, I was one of those people just like, oh, you know, I'll just push it down and hopefully it just goes away. But how many of you know it continually affects your entire outlook on life? The more that you stuff things, um, you can hide it for a season and normally you could be good at it, but you will re reach a point where your soul is just eating away and it starts transforming who you are, what you think about yourself and a litany of other things um, that happen. So before we dive into this, I want to read a few scriptures that have kind of been foundational for this series, and uh, as we read them, I want you to just place yourself in these scriptures, because it's one thing 
to read a scripture and go, yeah, that's a good thing. But I want you to imagine yourself in this moment for a second. Um, this is Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. I used to read that and go, yeah, but I'm still burning alive, <laughs> right? I've still got pain. And then this is the scripture, the passage for me that totally transformed my life. Psalm 66, verse 8. It says, bless our God, O peoples. Give him a thunderous welcome. Did he set us up on this road to life? Didn't he keep us out of the ditch? He trained us first, passed us like silver through refining fires. But watch this. Brought us to the hard scrabbled country, pushed us to our very limit, road tested us inside and out, took us to hell and back. How many ever feel like that? Took us to hell and back. And finally, watch this. Then he brought us to this well water place. So I want you to understand something. The turmoil that you're facing right now, the pain that you're experiencing right now, if you can grab onto it, it doesn't have to be wasted. <laughs> it can be something that God uses to bring you to this well-watered place. This is exactly what the psalmist is saying. Thank you for helping me to navigate and walk through these difficult times. And now I'm finally at this place of freedom. Do you want to say anything about that passage? No? Um, so I want to... <laughs> I want to dive into the first question, and the first question is this. Um, can you just simply define what freedom is? Because I know we've talked about this throughout the whole series, but some people feel like they don't really grasp what it actually is. What is freedom? That's kind of a loaded question when you think about, um, I think we use the word freedom to convey our hope to not have to deal with what we've walked through, the repercussions, the consequences. Yeah. And so we just want to be free from that, like <laughs> separate from that. Leave that here, and now I can go my way, mm. right? Leave it behind. But really, um, freedom is, is not necessarily always an instantaneous breaking away. Mm. But in our minds... We don't really, in our human nature, I should say, we don't really want to um, have to do what's necessary on our part to break ourselves away from that which is holding us down. Mm -hmm. And so when we think of freedom, I think a lot of people, at least people who, who come, who sit before me, um, most of us are wanting an instantaneous kind of, um, how do I get rid of this? How do I um, no longer have this to deal with? How do I manage this, right? And then that would yeah. be freedom for them, but that's not what freedom is. Good. Freedom is actually going into the place of bondage. When we talk about being enslaved and being free, freedom is the journey of freedom going back into the place of bondage, which we everything in us wants to resist, right? Like, uh-uh, I'm not going back there. I just walked through that. Hmm. But we do have to go back there in order to invite the Holy Spirit into our wounding so that he can interweave his truth into that wounding hmm. and walk us out of it. Yeah. Okay? Because it's his truth that sets us free. And until we know his truth... We will not have freedom. It's not that we change our behavior, then we will be free. It's not that we change our, our beliefs, 
um, our thinking and then we'll be free. It's not that we manage our emotions and then we will be free. It has to be the truth of the Holy Spirit that then sets us free. Mm. Is that not biblical? Yeah. Right? So if it's biblical, it's how he created us, and so that's how it works. Yeah. So explain a little bit more when you say, like, we have to go back to that to be free. What do you mean by that? When we go back, there are, when we're born, we're born, of course, created and born in, into the image of Christ, right? And so what is the image of Christ? The image of Christ is we're loving, we're kind, we're, we're accepting, right? When we think of infants, they're, they're receptive, they're dependent for needs being met, mm-hmm. right? And so we can, we're born that way, we're created that way, but we're also created to have those needs met in Christ. We're created to be dependent upon him. But as we go through life and there are certain woundings, there's loss, there's I'm reaching out for you and no one's there, no one sees me, no one hears me, no one's considering me, whatever that looked like in, in, in each of our lives, there have been moments, not one of us is exempt from, from that kind of suffering and that pain. When we reach out, because we're created to connect with others and to connect with Christ, when maybe our caregivers, our grandparents, our parents, no one is reaching back for a need to be met, mm-hmm. that right there is a wound. Yeah. Okay, and that then begins to put us in a place of not trusting, mm-hmm. um, not believing that we're important enough, that we matter, that we're worthy enough, and all of those deceptive beliefs begin to become who we are, who we say we are, who we think we are, who we believe we are, and who we now believe other people see us as. Mm, yeah. Okay. So is it, so in order to, like, real freedom, it's going to cause you to dive back into the things that you have suppressed. You have and to. And put down. You have to. But here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. Um, I'll use my, my dad maybe for an example. Um, he had a knee replacement, painful as, and he said, there's no way I'm going to have the other one done, mm. okay? Well, the pain was before the surgery. The pain was in the recovery after the surgery, right? Now, the other one, there's just constant pain, yeah. and there is no relief from it. <laughs> so surgery would be our healing journey, right, our recovery. So there's pain either way. There's pain of living with the injury or there's pain of recovery Mm -hmm. and the cool thing is we do have freedom of choice and so we can choose which one yeah yeah and i think that kind of sums up what we what we had talked about in one of the first weeks is that you can either make a decision today to go do you want this to be a season of pain or do you want it to be a lifetime of pain right you know and i think in that freedom you have the choice to go all right do i want to face this now because it is going to be painful like, regardless, freedom is going to require pain. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we recoil because it is going to hurt. But if you evaluate your life right now, you're already in hurt. <laughs> right. Right? Right. Um, and a lot of us believe that going back is going to intensify the hurt. Correct. We're going to relive it. Not always the case. Hmm. Um, because everything from that injury on, we have been trying to get away from that pain, to minimize, dismiss avoid, deny that pain. Mm -hmm. 
but yet that pain is with us every day. So we, we're not getting away from it. It is following and it's finding friends and it's coming along and it's, 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 it continues to impact our, our lives each and every day. So there was something that the Lord showed me as I was working with a client the other day. When we resist past pain, we increase our present pain. Oh, that's good. Okay, so sit with that for a little bit. Okay. And it is our past pain, our past wounding, that begins to um, hold us in bondage, hold us captive, and we are enslaved to it. Mm. What are we enslaved to? We're enslaved to um, whether it's someone's sin upon us through physical abuse, sexual abuse, whatever it may look like, or our own sin, we are then held captive by that in us. What happens is when we're hurt, when we're wounded, we begin to respond in a way to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as we do that, we have to become independent of whoever, whatever. <laughs> and so my response to take care of myself is, I got me to hell with the rest of y'all. <laughs> yeah. Okay? But that, that's our... That's our heart attitude, yeah. that's our, our mental, our mindset, and that's also our position with God. Mm. Because if you loved me, this would not have, mm. right? If, if you were there for me, Correct. how could you, Correct. right? Just like Mary and Martha. Yeah. Right? When, if you had been here sooner, Lord, he but would not yeah. have died. Yeah. Right? But yeah, the Lord knew mm. all along what was going to happen, so he was not in a rush. Okay, so he knows, but in our pain and our struggle, we don't know. Yeah. So I think if we could clarify this for a moment, when we say, and we've said this throughout the series, but, and then I just heard you say it again, what do you mean by, like, sitting in your pain? Like, what is, wh what is that, what does that look like? Because I think sometimes some people feel like, well, if I sit in my pain, I'm just going to feel worse. Right. You know, or I'm going to relive all these things. What, mm -hmm. what do we mean when we say that? Sitting in your pain looks like being still. And scripture tells us, be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. When we talk about him interweaving truth into our injuries, um, our wounding, and it's in our pain that our perception of things begin to be distorted. Mm -hmm. That's when the enemy comes and he will plant lies and he will take ground in our minds, in our hearts, in our, right, in our bodies. And um, so right then and there, if we go back to it and say, okay, Lord, in that moment, I'm thinking about it, I'm remembering it, mm -hmm. I'm reflecting on it, because so much of us w don't want to do that, mm -hmm. right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit for a bit, Lord. And I want to invite you in it. Come, Holy Spirit. Show me. What was this about? Your word says that you were always with me. Yeah. How were you? How were you with me there? Right? And so sitting in it is not being by ourselves in it, but inviting the Holy Spirit there. Yeah. Okay? He is our comforter. You won't know him as comforter until you invite him in a place of discomfort. <laughs> And so inviting him. 
And so what I do with people, um, because it's difficult for them to go back to those places alone, sure. um, we all need an empathic listener. We all need someone who, who will offer empathy for your story, mm. who will offer safety for, your, for you to start telling your story. We all need um, a place of where it's not being judged. Mm. Can, can you just hear me and not say, yeah, but? <laughs> can you just hear me and say, oh, you didn't or you should have? Can you just hear my story without saying what I could have, would have, should have done? Yeah, that's, that's, can yeah, you that's just huge. listen? Mm -hmm. And when we can do that, so when you can find someone to do that, and invite the Holy Spirit to do it as well with you in those moments. Mm. And you pray, Lord, tune my ears to hear your still, small voice. Settle myself into your presence. Mm. Help me know that you're with me. And be still. Sometimes we constantly talk to the Lord and we're, we don't listen. Yeah. Okay? And so that's what that would look like. Sit in it. Yeah. But not sit in it by yourself and stew and ruminate. <laughs> which is what we'll do. That's an unhealthy way of sitting in it. Yeah. And we stay locked there. We stay stuck there. Okay? So what's, what's the difference is has, having someone be able to listen and be able to give perspective and be able to, to in, help you invite the Holy Spirit and connect with the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. so that he can interweave his truth into that, those deceptive beliefs that you begin to have about yourself in those woundings. No, that's good. Does that make sense? No, absolutely, 100%. And I think one of the things that I've noticed, and we had talked about this in the second week, was like myself and I think a lot of people in here included, when you deal with um, past things or like depression or fear about certain things or anxiety, there is this underlying thing that you know, okay, I need to do something about this and I probably need to confess something or I need to get some help or I need to talk to somebody about it. But there is this underlying thing, shame, mm -hmm. that keeps you, like, so shame keeps you, like, suppressing everything. And we talked about this over the phone. When, when you start getting into that mode of believing, well, they'll never understand if I say this. Or if, I'm, if I've been so anxious about this or so depressed about this or so fearful about this, I know I need help. I know I need to talk about it. But I can't because shame keeps you at this place believing this lie of, like, well, Nobody's going to understand, or their view's going to change on me, or my whole life is going to come crumbling down, crashing apart. And so we have this foundation that begins to be built where we start building our entire outlook on life on this lie um, that we call shame. So we talked about this. What happens when we start building our foundations on those lies? Well, shame is not a, a lie. Shame is an emotion. What's beneath shame is a, a negative core belief that the enemy implants mm. during that wounding, which is usually sin upon you or your sin. <laughs> and that message is something is wrong with you. You're flawed. If people really knew the real you, they would reject you. I'm a failure, right? Those beliefs are beneath the shame, mm -hmm. okay? Shame is, and, and you, you explained the difference between shame and guilt, which was Correct. really good. Mm -hmm. Shame is not that I did something wrong, but that I am 
wrong, right? Which puts a, a defective perspective on me. Yeah. And so if I'm defective, I'm not going to reach out to people because they're going to see my defects. Because I'm fundamentally right? flawed. I'm fundamentally yeah. flawed. They're, they're going to reject me. Correct. So in order to prevent that, then I keep to myself. Yep. Okay? And I start to withdraw. That is shame. Shame keeps us hidden. Shame happens when a need that we have that we ask to be met when that need begins to be invalidated then we begin to think oh I am too needy oh I was being selfish oh I instead of just recognizing it as a human nature a human need yeah. we all have needs yeah. that the Lord created us with and those needs are our core longings and so there are there are places within us needs that we have that we can't judge they're just each and every one of us have them such as a need for unconditional love yeah okay because you need not love it doesn't mean that you that you're needy <laughs> We all have a need for belonging. Sure. Okay? To be connected, to yeah. know that we fit in. Okay? Uh, we have a need for knowing that we're significant, mm. that we matter. We have a need for understanding, that I'm understood, that, that you want to see into me, sure. that you want to um, understand me in a way that you're not judging me or, or yeah. rejecting me. Um, a need for fellowship with God. A need to have purpose. So all of those are our core longing needs that we can't, we can't judge each other for or judge ourselves for. God created us with those longings so that we would connect with him mm -hmm. for him to be the source of all of those needs being met. Yeah. And oftentimes in our wounding, we'll, we'll turn our backs on God because we get angry with him because our thinking of him is... If I love you and I'm your child and I'm connected with you, then I am exempt from suffering. <laughs> I go through life now as a happy Christian, yep. and you protect me, and nothing bad happens. And if something bad is happening, you failed me. Yep. You betrayed me, Lord. Yeah. Where were you? You left me. You yeah. abandoned me. Hmm. Right? Yeah, and, and that's where we begin to have a disconnect with God the Father. Absolutely. Well, and something that you said that was really good, which kind of leads to the next question is, so when you find yourself at this place of recognizing, okay, I do have some, some core longings here. I do, I, like everybody has a need to walk into a group and go, is this my place? Mm -hmm. Is this my people? Do I belong mm -hmm. here? Um, or like you said, everybody has this desire to be loved. But when those desires are based on a lie, then now comes this crisis of identity, right? Mm-hmm this identity crisis of, well, if I don't have those things that are meeting my longings right now, so if I'm just finding this, this like unconditional love in some person or relationship or a belonging in the wrong kind of group that's not giving me what I need, then it's all of a sudden like we have this identity crisis of who am I? Right. I don't belong anywhere because these people mm -hmm. rejected me mm -hmm. or this happened to me or this person said I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And so now this, this, these lies take over and begin to affect our soul. So what do we do 
when we realize, okay, I need to find my identity in Christ, that's where it's going to, because it's easy, here's what I find in, in these difficult, like it's easy to say, well, you know what, your identity's off, you just need to go find it in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like that's a cop-out answer, because mm-hmm. it's just not that easy, mm-hmm. right? It's like when you're depressed and you're anxious and somebody says, well, you just need to go find your identity in Christ, you want to just be like, well, you go find your identity in this <laughs> fist right here. Like, um, So what do you do in that moment when, I think everybody has this moment of, okay, I recognize I need that, but I still feel depressed, mm-hmm. and I'm still anxious, and I'm still fearful because your identity is kind of hanging in this balance of I don't know who I am. So what do we do like in that upheaval when we recognize, okay, this is what I need, but I don't emotionally feel like I have the capacity to get there. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So what do we do in that moment, in that upheaval, when we start realizing, okay, here's the, here's the truth. Here's, here's how I can get free, but I'm also way over here feeling this way, and I just can't connect the dots. Mm-hmm. That's when we connect with Christ more. Mm-hmm. That's when we sit still. Yeah. It's in those moments. Because that internal conflict of, I need, I need, I need, I can't have. Because nobody's trustworthy, yeah. right? Nobody will give me what I need. I need, I need, I need, I can't have. And so within us, that, that, that contradictory conflict puts us in such a state of, of disarray, such a state of, of confusion, and it's right there where we need to invite Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's most difficult <laughs> because everything within us is telling us the God of the Bible that I know is not the God that I know. Yeah. And, and there's a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so in that time is where, where we, we quit the cliches, we quit the, the whatever, and we say, God, I'm, I'm really not in a good place. Yeah. I'm really, really struggling. I have doubt. I have, and we begin to confess with him. We begin to convey to him our, rear, our real, our raw, and our ugly. Hmm. Okay? It's not blasphemous, people. A lot of people are like, oh, I can't give God my anger. I'm not supposed to be angry. It's an emotion he created within us. Yeah, absolutely. Of course we can be angry. He already knows what's in your heart, right? Yeah. So it's when we can confess that and say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm just, you sit with me in this muck. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know you. I don't really like you. I don't trust you. <laughs> um, I'm really struggling yeah. with, with who you are. Yeah. But Lord can, just as, as, as we hear in Scripture, come and help my unbelief, mm. right? When we are hurting, we want to say, no, 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 you're not, you didn't, you won't, you can't, to Christ. But we never consider approaching him and say, hmm, how, how would you be that way in my life? I hear all these stories in the Bible, and I see, oh, this person doesn't even live for you, and look at all of their blessings. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, Lord, what, what's wrong with me? Why can't yeah. I get that? Well, it's in, if we don't sit with the Holy Spirit and invite him in and just be real and raw, is that not what David did? Mm. Is that not what Job did? Is that not what, um, even when, when he approached Mary and Martha, when he came, they, they confronted him, right? Yeah. If you had been here, right? So it's being able to be that authentic and that vulnerable with Christ. Yeah. Um, then we'll really be able to know who he is 
for ourselves, how he shows himself, how he reveals himself to us. He knows how to speak to us. He knows what we need from him, even, even when we don't have the words to ask him. Okay? He knows. And so we invite him to come. Um, but sometimes it's difficult to invite him to come. Absolutely. And so what do we do then when we're angry and when we're uh, mistrusting of him and when we really we see him being one way with other people but with us we feel abandoned we feel ignored we feel like we're not good enough he's not let me go do this and then I can come back to him sure. to re represent myself to him sure in in a better way yeah and so in those moments though that's when when we're vulnerable and we come to him with unveiled faces mm. okay cuz he knows already we don't know anybody. We are not in a relationship with anybody who, who knows our thoughts before we think them, who knows what's in our hearts. So it makes it a little difficult to relate to him. And if we think that he has failed us, that he's abandoned us, that he doesn't have good for us, mm. then, then we're not going to invite him. Yeah, and I think that's where this idea of if you don't have this real, raw, honest, authentic relationship with Jesus, that's where you miss it. Yes. And I think because... I mean, let's just be honest. It's, I've talked about this multiple times. I mean, one of the things that just <laughs> fires me up and just bothers me today about, especially within Christianity, is this idea where people just think that it's all about these bumper stickers and these, like, self, like, I just need to say this three times a day or, like, but, like, that's not reality, Reality is you're going to have days where you and God connect and then you're going to have another day where you feel like he's, he's left you and you fell off the face of the earth. And there is this idea of diving into this, I think, rawness with Jesus. Like you just said, like this practice of like lamenting mm -hmm. of like, look, God, there's days when I feel so close to you and then there's days where I feel like you've abandoned me and left me, you know. But I think we get so caught up in like these, I don't know what, it, like these Christian cliches and that's why we get so disappointed. Because yes. we feel like God is supposed to be this particular way. And here's what I've learned is when you have this idea of, well, God is supposed to be like this, that is the God that you've created in your own head. And it's not really the real God that you should be serving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like you're saying, well, this is how God ought to be. And God's saying, hold on, like, you don't get to create me, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. Um, this is how I, and, and, but when you dive into a real authentic relationship with Jesus, you begin to see it from a completely different perspective. And the perspective is, well, I'm walking through pain. Not because he hates me, not because he's like trying to, you know, cast me out in some kind of, you know, I'm a terrible person and this is his judgment on Our me. Or a punishment. Yeah, I mean, you look at Job and there was no reason for his suffering other than Jesus was just, like God was just like, yeah, go, go for it, test him. I mean, you look at the end of it, I mean, it, it's all worth it in the end because God restores him, but sometimes it's just because God sees the foresight and he sees the future and we don't, sometimes his plan it's always better than ours, but we think we have a better one than him. You know what I mean? And so I think there is this idea of this real, honest, like, commitment to who Jesus is. Of like, sometimes this is going to happen, and sometimes this is going to happen, but I have to learn to say he's good whether this happens or this happens. And that's where your perspective begins to shift right. in all of that. Well, we learn how to relate to God, um, whether it's through church whether it's through, through parents or, and, 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 and we don't always have an accurate perspective. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and so um, we'll begin to perform and believe that our performance, our doing, doing works, doing service, doing things, I'm a good person, I, I have not broken any of the Ten Commandments, yeah. and so I'm good, right? So we'll, we'll have a performance relationship with Christ, and so it looks like this. If I do this, you'll do this, Lord, mm. right? And then we become Lord of Lord, right? But when we can understand our position with Christ as adopted sons and daughters, as redeemed, as reconciled, yeah. as, um, as being worthy, mm -hmm. as he died for us while we were still sinners. We didn't have to come and clean up first. He knew there would be a need for a savior. Yeah. He knew, and one of the songs was he had thoughts of us even before he created the sky, right? Mm -hmm. The universe, the, the everything else. He had thoughts of us. Okay, yeah. so if we, could, we, if we could really hold on to that yeah. and know, oh, you don't mean harm for me? <laughs> no, I mean good for you. Yeah. All of what I do is because I love you. Yeah. And we don't know a love to compare yeah. that to. So we're going we're gonna to not trust it yeah. until we open ourselves up and say, Okay, Lord, this is what your word says. It's not the, the God that that person knows is not the God that I know. Yeah. I, I don't know you in that way. So I don't want to know the God that person knows. I want to know the God who knows me. Yeah, that's good. Okay, and so we have to sit with him. When you develop a friendship, don't you sit with that person? And you get to know that person? Yeah. It's the same with Christ. It's, it's so sitting true. and getting to know him and revealing your, he already knows all about you, but sharing all about you, sharing your, your good, your bad, your ugly, mm. and being real and authentic with him. And listen to his response to you. Yeah. Listen to his comfort. Listen to his encouragement. Listen to his truth. If we've never done that, then we don't know him. Yeah. Here. What? And I, and I also think that it's, you got to realize that you need more than like right now, mm -hmm. than just this Sunday, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, the best way I had this revelation yesterday, and it was two days ago. So Amelia, my five-year-old, we're getting ready to go on vacation in July. And uh, so we're going to be at a beach. And so we're trying to work hard with her, like teach her how to swim. Okay. So we've been going every day to the pool and, um, I'm a terrible father, but I was like, all right, you're going to learn to swim today. <laughs> and she's in the water. And I told her, I said, look, the whole time, dad's going to be right here. I'm going to be with you. I'm watching you, okay? I'm not going to let you drown. Mm -hmm. And in her mind, it doesn't matter. As soon as I let her go, she's thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to drown. And as soon as I let her go, keep in mind, she already knows how to swim. She's just terrified of the deep. So she's finally treading water, and I would count. Okay, you're going you're gonna to tread water for 10 seconds. One, two, three. And, you know, I'd grab her at 10, and we'd go a little longer, 20 seconds, and then she'd try to. So we did this, this this whole day for literally probably two hours. And she finally gets to the point where she's comfortable in the water. Mm -hmm. She's feeling good. We come back the next day. The very next day, where after the two hours, like she had finally, she was swimming in the deep. She was comfortable. We come back. I put her in the deep, and she's just as terrified as she was the day before. 
And like she had complete, I'm like, babe, you can swim. Like when I let go, remember yesterday you swam. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that's like, that's sometimes that's our relationship with Jesus. We're yes. so forgetful mm-hmm. that he's taking care of us in yesterday that he's still going to provide for today. Mm-hmm. That was the whole story of like when God provided manna for when they were in, in the desert. Yeah, that's he good. would give them bread mm-hmm. and then he would say, you can store all you want, but it's going spoil- to be spoiled tomorrow. Because I'm teaching you how to trust me day Every by day. day by day. Yes. And I think this idea when you deal with depression or anxiety, you want freedom and you want it to be this feeling that you feel right now. Right. And God's saying, no, 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 this is a day by day journey. Why do you think? Why do I think it's a day by day journey? Because mm-hmm. I think we're so forgetful. I think we'd get mm-hmm. to a place where we feel like we got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's because we have such a, um, a strong disposition with mm. our free will mm-hmm. to do it our way mm-hmm. and the surrendering day by day yeah. is is uncomfortable and we don't like uncomfortable yeah uncomfortable to us equates nope that's wrong <laughs> it's right? true that's very feel true. good is right yeah and, so true. and and we have to we have to really uh, open that up to the holy spirit to to be able to help us manage the uncomfortable it really only lasts a few minutes mm. it really does yeah. And, and then we can anchor into, into the truth of, for the rest of the day. Absolutely. So what happens with us is we may have one example, one mm. experience of victory. I did it. But then we have, you know, hun- a hundred of, I blew it. I blew it. Yeah. Yeah, I failed again. Yeah. And so it's hard to grab hold of that one and say, yep, I can do this more again. Mm. No, because it's taken those hundred times of failing to be able to muster up that one step of faith, one, one time of risking. Yeah. Okay, whatever, eyes closed, I'm just going to do it, right? Hmm. So what we have to do day by day is consider we are building victories in our relationship with Christ. Okay, if we can look at it from that perspective, we're building our dependence on him because everything within us wants to be independent (laughs) and so we do have to learn dependence and one of the things when we when we consider the definition of freedom it is breaking away Mm. right becoming independent of that which we're we're trying to um, no longer be held captive to but in our freedom it's not an, an independence from something it's also a dependence then on Christ. Yeah. So it's twofold. There's an independence from that and a dependence on Christ, mm. and we don't like to be dependent. Yeah. We don't like to surrender. We like to be Lord of our own lives. Sure. And, and that's where um, a lot of people who come, um, whether it's who, who start developing a relationship with Christ or start their healing journey, is needing to understand that that dependence on Christ can be okay, yeah. and we do it bit by bit. Yeah, and one, I've learned this over the past few months that sometimes freedom is not this euphoric feeling. Right. Freedom is actually struggle. Yes. <laughs> so that makes it like... Well, breaking away correct. is a struggle. Yeah. It, it, and I think we have sometimes this idea of like, well, when I'm free, then I'm just like, oh, I'm free. 
and I'm done. I, I just kind of lay on, on the... You coast. On the, just coast yep. for the rest of it, and nothing bad's going to happen because my guy got me. Yeah, and, and freedom know? is and embracing <laughs> this idea of you're about to walk through some stuff. You're about to walk through some struggle to get yeah. to a place where you need to be. And you know, Zach, I've heard people, when, when I present that to them, they're like, so why would I follow Christ then <laughs> if I'm just going into something else? Yeah. Well, you're going to go into something else anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. But with him, when we are weak, he is made strong. Yeah, so okay? good. And so with him, we're not alone. Mm-hmm. And so we go through it in a whole different way. And yeah. we're, what, what you read, the refinement part, mm-hmm. right? Because our pain is not our own. It's not for us to keep. Another thing you so said. True. Our pain is to be able to connect with other people and help other people walk through the very same thing that we've walked through. Okay? 100%. And we point them to Christ to do that. We don't begin to be the one that they become dependent on, right? We, we partner with the Holy Spirit to walk them through and help them become dependent on Christ through that process. Yeah, no, that's so good. As we kind of bring this to a close, and we can chat about this for a second, um, there's a scripture in Psalms 34, uh, verse 22, and it says this. It says, God pays for each slave's freedom, and no one who runs to him loses out. So let me read that one more time. God pays for each slave's freedom, and no one who runs to him loses out. As we, as we kind of wrap this up with the last 10 minutes or so. Um, I want you to realize this morning you have three options. You have three options. Your first option is you can continue to be a slave to whatever you're entrapped to. And I want you to understand that slaves don't have an inheritance. Slaves don't get anything. Slaves have no rights. They don't have a place in the kingdom. there's There's nothing for them. Or you can choose today to be a son or daughter, which embraces this idea of everything that we've just talked about, saying, yeah, God, I come to you today with everything that I've got. And today I'm choosing to be a son or a daughter, and if you choose to be a son or a daughter, then I want you to understand that there is an inheritance for you. There's a kingdom waiting for you. There's freedom waiting for you. See, when you're a son, you got benefits. (laughs) When you're a daughter, you got benefits. It's the whole idea of walking into your parents' house at 32 years old, and I can still open the fridge and eat anything that I want. My mom knows every single time when I come there, she knows my favorite cookies are snickerdoodles, and she usually has them made. She knows I'm coming. Like when you're a son, when you're a daughter in the house, you just have benefits that a slave doesn't have. See, a slave is someone who has a master, and oftentimes for us, that master is whatever it is that we're addicted to or entrapped to or connected to. So you have the opportunity to be a slave today or you can be a son or a daughter or there's a third category where you can be an orphan. <laughs> and the third category is maybe you understand everything that we're talking about. You've had this merciful, gracious encounter with Jesus and you've had salvation, but you're still walking around without a family and you have no inheritance. You're still walking around without a place to belong. So you're in a season of your life where you understand everything that we just talked about. You say, yes, that's good, but I have nobody to walk me through this. See, this is why community is so important. This is why life groups are so important. This is why church is so important because you can find a place where you no longer have to be an orphan. Actually, scripture teaches us this. 
we're adopted as sons and daughters. I don't know if you know this, but in the state of Louisiana, if you adopt a child, you can never legally disown that child. You know that? So when you get adopted into this family, you become an heir. You have benefits. You have rights. So here's what I want you to understand. This means because you're a son, because you're a daughter, you can take whatever is holding you back and you can lay it at his feet regardless of what the consequences may be in your life. And you can understand, well, he's my father and he loves me no matter what I've done. I've said this before, that there's, there's not a single one of my kids that could do anything that would ever cause me to go, you know what, you're out. They could choose to not follow Jesus. They could choose to do whatever they want in this life, but I'm still going to love them just as much. Why? Because I'm their father and they're my kid, right? And that's what good fathers do. And so God looks at us today saying, listen, whatever is entrapping you, you can be a slave today. And here's the bad part about slaves is they see what the sons have. They see what the daughters have. They see everything that they get, but they can never grasp it because they're still chained to whatever that thing is. That shame still has them, that depression, that anxiety, that fear, whatever it may be. And so as we talked about all this this morning, I want you to understand like you have an opportunity. You have a decision to make. Do, do I want to continue to be a slave to something? Do I want to continue to be roam around as an orphan where I understand the truth, but I can never take part of it because I don't have an inheritance, because I'm not a son, because I'm not a daughter? Or do we walk into this idea where we go, you know what, there's a kingdom that's waiting for me. I have a good father who has good things for me, regardless of what I've done. That's why the prodigal son is so powerful. I don't know if you know that, but it's more about the father than it is about the son. <laughs> that story thing that I love about that story is when the son finally decides to go home, the father never mentions anything that his son did. He never said, hey, where have you been for the past three years? Where's all my money? <laughs> you been shacking up? I can't believe you. What, what have you been doing? I mean, there's three things that happen, right? He puts the, the, the robe on him. He puts the sandals on him. He puts the ring on him. He says, my son's home, and that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. So I want you to understand today that there, there is freedom for you. And I know this has been a heavy series. I know this has been difficult for some. But I promise you this, if you're willing to dive into those deeper waters, to say, you know what, God, I'm going to choose no longer to trust myself, but I'm going to trust in you. Regardless of what this may look like, regardless of what the next few months may look like, I promise you this, and I'm telling you this from personal experience. It can be terrifying to confess certain things in the beginning, but you will look at back on it one day and say, why did I do that a whole lot earlier? You just will. There's nothing that you have done that is gonna cast you out from being in communion and relationship with Jesus. You belong. You have purpose, you have value, you have worth and there's nothing that you have done where God's going to look at you and deem you unworthy. There's nothing. 